Welcome to Activate, a podcast for mobile marketers brought to you by Remerge. Take a short break from your screen and listen to what's working in mobile marketing and what's not, straight from the people who are doing it now. Are you ready? Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Aptivate, brought to you by Remerge. I'm Maria Lannan, Director of Account Management for the Americas here at Remerge, and it's March. That can only mean one thing. It's Women's History Month. When you hear my voice this month on the podcast, I'll be speaking with women in marketing to share their experiences, their advice, and their approach to marketing and their own careers. On today's show, I'll be talking to Jen Donahoe, who is the marketing and growth lead for Teamfight Tactics at Riot Games. Hi, Jen. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I am super excited to have you. Just for our listeners, Jen has worked for some of the coolest companies, or at least what I would consider to be dream jobs in marketing. She's worked at Disney, Hasbro, EA Sports, Mattel. Just to name a few, <laughs> I think when I was in college, picturing my career in marketing, I totally thought I would be doing exactly what you're doing today. And I'm not, unfortunately, but <laughs> maybe someday. <laughs> Either way, i super excited to have you. To get us started, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in marketing, specifically in gaming, and how you've been able to grow at some of what I would consider the most some of the most influential companies in our industry today. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for asking. It's sometimes humbling to have to speak about yourself and remember what you've done. I just recently got the email for the 25th anniversary of my college time of graduating from college. And it's like, oh my God, I can't believe it's been that long since that started. But back when I was a wee little pup growing up, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew that I loved sports. I played soccer all up through university. I love video games. My brother and I used to beat Zelda together on our, our Super Nintendo and, and Atari and Commodore 64 and Apple II Plus before that. Call out to Wizardry, my favorite RPG game of all time. And I knew I loved that. And I knew I loved toys. My, ironically, my brother and I were collecting Star Wars action figures together. It was a hobby that we had together. We we have eight years difference in us. And it just gave us something to bond over. And when I was in school in university, I actually didn't know what I wanted to do. And, and I had some friends that were in undergraduate business school. And so I ended up transferring over into the business school. And I didn't like anything else but marketing. And so I'm like, okay, well, let me try this marketing thing. It's the thing that appealed to me the most. And I, what I found that I loved about that idea of marketing is that it's sharing the passion that I have for the things that I love with other people and helping them see the same magic in that that I see in those things myself. So I learned really early on, I couldn't market hand lotion or hairspray or, or makeup. It just, it, those things weren't it, things that interested me. What really interested me were the things that interested me. So when I looked to graduate and like, oh, well, you know what, what company can I be in? What school? Where, where can I go? What can I do next? I had to look in an alumni directory, an actual book. I know, sadly, back then, we didn't have LinkedIn or even in it, the internet. I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> it's so crazy. We, we had like the internet for like one year when I was finishing at Washington U University in St. Louis. And I found, I was like, okay, let me find anyone that worked for sports marketing, a toy company, or a comic book company. We also loved, I love comic books. I know I'm a nerd, I'm a total geek, and I fully admit it and embrace it. And luckily, it's cool to be a geek these days. So I, I looked up and there was this guy who worked at Hasbro, which is the company that owned Kenner, which is the company that made the same Star Wars action figures that my brother and I were collecting like at that point in time. So I called this guy. Full circle. It, it was really. I called Rick and I said, hey, Rick, I see you here in my alumni directory. I'm six months away from graduating, but how did you get to where you are? I, I would love to one day be where you are. And he said something that that I always take with me, which is somebody was really nice to me when I was looking for my first job. And so I'm going to pay it forward and spend some time with you and talk to you about like where I got the skills and how I got here. 
And we ended the conversation and you think that was it, but he's like, you know, I, I know you have a little bit of school left, so let's reconnect in six months and let's see if there's anything available. And we did. We actually, I graduated. I was working for a friend of mine and I got a call and he's like, hey, we have a, a marketing internship open on Star Wars uh, action figures. Are you interested? And I said, I'll be there in two weeks. <laughs> and I, I, I packed up and I moved to Cincinnati and I got my dream job as my very first job. And it's all, been all downhill since there, as you read off my resume. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> I would have to disagree there. <laughs> so for video games, so that was the toy industry. And, and, and the toy industry was a, an amazing segue into video games. And I think it goes to anyone who is looking to segue into your core passion is there's many different roads that get you there. So I was in the toy industry for many, many years. I, was, I worked on every action figure brand you can imagine. And when they were shutting down the location for, for Kenner or Hasbro in Cincinnati, I ended up taking an opportunity at Disney. And that's how I landed Disney. So I did toys and, and franchise management for Toy Story. And yes, Power Rangers. Disney had Power Rangers for many, many years. And this was before Star Wars was at Disney. This was before Marvel. So I was in charge of all of the boys' franchises. And, and that, at the time, was Toy Story and Power Rangers. Like, it's pretty funny to think how far Disney has come. And what I didn't realize that later on, all of these great experiences would serve me well when I did end up one day calling EA and trying to get into EA, and they had just done a deal with Hasbro, and they were going to bring all of the Hasbro properties. So when you think of Hasbro, it's such a wide range of, of things. Think of like Trivial Pursuit and Monopoly and Scrabble, and all of those games needed to come to video games. So the head of the team, Chip Lang, who is one of my most favorite people of all time, said, hey, I think what makes sense, I'll teach you video games if you teach me kids and family marketing and entertainment. And I was like, deal. So for five years, we built up the Hasbro Library of Games at EA. It was something like 13 million units shipped. And that's how I got in. And it was somebody who took a chance on me and also somebody who wanted to learn from me. So I, I think there's something to take away. In, it's hard to get into those industries, but try to fall back on the skills that might help get you there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. I think when I think about marketing and starting a career in marketing, it's similar to you. You know, I kind of envisioned my career going in a completely different direction than where I am today. When I was thinking about it, I was like, I want to work at an advertising agency, Mad Men esque, which doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and working on... Which is a good thing for women that that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but working for big brands and something like that, but you move into a different direction. And it's all because of these connections that you make, people taking a chance. And I love that you kind of brought that up because I think that's what has helped make women successful and help us to establish ourselves in the workplace. You've been working in gaming for quite a long time. What would you say, you know, how have you kind of seen the role of women changing? So you mentioned two mentors, uh, both male. And so I'd love to see how has that changed over time? Yeah, the interesting thing about any of these industries, whether it was I was interested in sports marketing or comic books or entertainment or gaming, all of them are male dominated industries. And for me, starting out 25 years ago, you know, there were very, very few women that I could look up to as mentors. And so most of my earlier experiences are, are based on working with men. And I think because I had such a connection to sports and to these hobbies that many men actually enjoyed, I was really able to connect with them. And so I call it kind of authentic connections. So the first thing that you have to realize whether we're women or we're human beings, and we have to find ways to connect with other human beings. And I was just really good at figuring out that, hey, the authentic way I can connect with these mentors or people that I need to know was to, was to find the thing that connected us. So for some people, it was gaming. For some people, it was sports. So I, I referenced Chip earlier. He is a 49er fan, and I'm a Cowboy fan. And to this day, we, we haven't worked together since, I don't know, 2012 or something like that. We still text and give each other crap 
about the Cowboys and the 49ers. And that's a lifelong connection that we found. And it can be many different things. It just happens to be one example. I'm a Patriots fan, so I feel bad for both of you. (laughs) Or maybe you should probably feel bad for us at this point. (laughs) If if we had had that conversation uh, before, over a year ago, maybe you'd feel a little bit differently. Now you got Cam Newton as your quarterback. Anyway, so I, I do think that You'll find that like you're immediately in the club. You find this way to get in the club. And I think sometimes women feel like very much an outsider in the world of men because they don't think that they have anything to relate to. There's always something to relate to. Like I like to, my wife jugs, jokes with me. She was like, you like shows where um, people dress up in costumes and are mean to each other. And she was talking about like Game of Thrones or Walking Dead. And I'm like, well, so do you. You like Bravo shows where the women dress up in pretty dresses and are mean to each other. And so we don't connect on that, but I'm sure there are, are shows in different ways that you can find um, connection points. Like I used to just talk about Game of Thrones with everybody at work too, people I would never even engage with. So sports was, was helpful. Finding an authentic connection was helpful. And then the one other thing I learned at Disney that I'm never going to forget is we took this class called solution selling, which you might be like, hey, you just said you're marketing, you're not sales. Basically, you sell yourself and you sell the way that you work with people every second of the day. It's how you actually get things done. And in this class, what they taught us was it used like a psychology idea that was based on like the DISC profile or basically the idea that there's four different personalities. So in each of those personalities, you can kind of boil everyone down into if you are very analytical, if you're very team-oriented or very feelings-oriented, if you're very talkative, or if you're very kind of bold and directive and bold in a china shop. And what you learn from this is that everyone has uh, these attributes. And if you can figure out very quickly what a person kind of displays is the way that they want to engage with people, you can flex your style to figure out how you can best work with that person. So I'm a little bit of the bull in a china shop and a little bit of the talkative person, I I think out loud. And so when I have to pair with an analytical person or or someone who's like touchy-feely, I have to kind of flex to their style and and use more data points or use more emotion when I think about things or, or ask about their feelings. And I think that's another key in how I've been able to kind of be successful in such a male-dominated field, which is gaming, which is like, listen, in most industries, I haven't had a lot of female mentorship. It doesn't mean that I haven't ever had a, a female boss here or there. They, the, the one challenge sometimes is it can be a little bit of a competition. And so I'm like, I feel horrible saying this, and especially on International Women's Day, but sometimes women are harder on other women and we need to stop it. It's great to be helpful and to help and be supportive, which actually one of the things that we need to do, but we also need to stand up for each other and help support each other rather than tear each other down to get ahead. And that strategy, I think we have International Women's Day at Riot. And one of the stories last year was so impactful. Women would get up and tell stories about being saboteurs to other women. And they were basically apologizing for those those instances where they would tear down other women so that they could feel better about themselves. And I was so moved by this because I'm like, oh my God, I think I've lived and experienced this myself. And I, I think it's something that if you're listening, you, you should really internalize and think about because it, until we stop doing that, we can't help each other get ahead. Yeah, I loved that. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about when we first met, you mentioned something about women trying to be perfect. There's these high expectations for us. And I think that is what allows that to happen in the workplace, right? Where women are essentially going against each other because we want to be the best. We feel that we have a lot to prove because not only are we going against in a male-dominated industry, but we also have female counterparts that we're trying to compete with as well. And so... I think we're, we all fall victim to that where we're competing with others and we need to be working together. That's the fact of the matter. You had also mentioned we're kind of in that like 20%. So we do have to work together because we're just a, such a small percentage at a lot of these companies. And I think 
there are a lot of great ideas that women can bring to the table, even if it is something that's male dominated like gaming, where traditionally you're going to think, okay, maybe a male's perspective is probably what works. But you talk about, oh, when I was a kid hanging out with my brother and we're playing with Star Wars action figures, I had a similar background too. I have two older brothers. Yeah, I loved playing with Barbies, but <laughs> they had their WWE action figures that I ended up playing with as well. So <laughs> I kind of... Well, that makes me happy. I, I sold WWE action figures when I was at Mattel. So thank you very much for hopefully supplying some of my salary. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, most definitely. I know there was one instance where I broke The Undertaker at one point, which was did not go over well with my brothers. So my parents were definitely constantly buying new action figures. So I'm sure we helped with that. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, just one thing I wanted to jump in on when we're talking about having each other's backs. One of the strategies that we're actually employing today with some of my female peers is we, we have an agreement amongst each other that if we see anything challenging for other women, so for us in this day and age, nothing is really that overt anymore. I think that there it's more of the unconscious bias that sometimes happens from our male peers. And one of the things is when you have an idea and you say something in the meeting, it gets glossed over. And then oh, a few minutes later, a, a man will repeat the same question and everyone's like, oh my God, it's an amazing idea. And what we, we have talked about amongst ourselves is when we see things like that, we're going to call it out. So and it's happened before where women are like, hey, I think Jen just had that same thought. Or did you have something different you wanted to add to the thought that Jen had? And that way to really just call that out because they call it unconscious bias because it is unconscious. Men do not know that they are doing these types of things. And I think the more that we can be bold and highlight that, don't expect the person it happens to to do it, but you need to do it on someone else's behalf. And that way, we're all having each other's backs. And so that's just one example of a tactic to try when you see some of those smaller things happen in meetings. It doesn't happen as much, but when it does, you should call it out. Yeah, I think that also aligns with the fact that a lot of times we are apologizing in certain situations too. Or when you receive feedback from someone, I know myself, like I'm quick to be like, okay, that person's totally right. And how can I fix this? When a lot of times, you know, you kind of have to sit back and think like, you know, is this actually valid feedback? Or do I have a right to push back on this and express my ideas? Because I think a lot of times, and I noticed it early on in my career where I was just kind of like, yep, yeah, that person's totally right. And I'm going to fix this and do it the way that they say. But I think if you feel passionate about something or if you have an idea, you have to go with it. You don't see that happening a lot with others. And so from my perspective, I notice it a lot. And to have support and other female support, even male support as well, let's not say that it's just we need to find female counterparts. We need men as well to support us. I think that that's very important because I, I fall into that all the time. <laughs> And I've, I've just recently started noticing it. And I'm like, actually, maybe if I thought this to begin with, I'm probably right. And I'm going to stick to my guns and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move forward with this. Yeah, peer feedback is super helpful in those instances where you can take whatever the topic is and take it to some peers and just say, hey, you know, how did this is what happened? How does this play to you? Or does this seem right? I've had to do things like that because in the moment, it's you're not really sure, like, wait, is this, this feels a little bit odd. I do think that accountability and listen, I, people call me blunt and people call me sometimes use the word aggressive. I, my, my parents are East Coast and I'm born and raised in Texas. So I've got a really interesting kind of mix to me. But sometimes I struggle with, well, is, are those terms thrown at me because I'm a woman or am I really actually overly blunt and aggressive and direct in environments where I need to tone it down a little bit. And these are things that you should get feedback on from others. So I've learned where I do need to soften my edges and where I do need to 
um, be more mindful of the political implications of the way that I, I phrase things. And a lot of the, I call it Disney cult training because at Disney, I mean, they were so wonderful. Like I had so many leadership training opportunities and we called it cult training because it kind of indoctrinates you into a way to speak very politically minded and politically correct. It did kind of like juxtapose my more uh, blunt tendencies, but it did help me soften the edges. And I think there are coaching opportunities for women that can help you find the right approach for you. Sometimes you might be too shy or demure and you're not speaking up enough. And I think there's a great Harvard Business School article that just came out that talked about when women get challenged with certain types of feedback, men get almost the opposite for the same type of behavior. And so there are things that you should really watch out for and just ask others, like, am I really too, like, too quiet? Do I need to speak up more? Is that like a really a thing? Especially if you are getting feedback from other men, just to have some women give you a check on that. Yeah, I think with that, I mean, what do you think we can be doing more of to allow for more opportunities for women in the workplace and to allow for that. I mean, we mentioned having that support system, but do you feel that there are other ways that we can be doing that and we can be doing a better job? Yeah, I think as someone who's now in the Yoda status, I never thought I would be old. But when I was younger, when I was actually, when I was at Disney, every single person on my team of, I don't know, 10 or 12 was actually older than me. And I learned how to navigate that really well. And now I'm the person who is much, much older than my entire team by a decade or more. And one thing I try to do is, you know, I mentioned earlier when Rick, Rick Ruskin, when he took my call and paid it forward, I, I try to do the same thing. I, I took a call from a woman last week, actually, Ariel, who was doing her thesis on women in gaming, actually. It was a timely topic. And she's like, oh my God, with your career, I you're I never thought you would take my call. I never even thought you would return my call. And I'm and I so I told her this story of I'm paying it forward. And one day when you when I'm asking you for a job and you're changing things, I I want you to remember that and to continue to pay it forward and to give time and advice and Yoda people who are coming up and who are new. It's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this podcast is maybe I have a nugget of something interesting to say, probably not a whole lot, but maybe there's a nugget that somebody takes away and is like, oh, I remember that. And I'll use that strategy for my own career. I think there's plenty of things. <laughs> I find it super insightful, but that's a, a good point because I know when I was in college or even today, honestly, because I'm early on in my career, I am somewhat intimidated to reach out to someone or to ask for advice or just speak to someone to pick their brain thinking, oh, this person's not going to have time for me. But I know that every time that someone has reached out to me on LinkedIn or an old colleague has reached out to me like, hey, can we grab coffee? I want to pick your brain on XYZ. I am super flattered and I like look forward to that. I love it. And you have to realize that people want to help people. Yeah. I, a huge plus one, what you were saying is people do intrinsically love to talk about themselves and to share the experiences that they have with somebody else. It is insanely flattering and humbling that someone would want to ask you what you think about something. So so don't forget that when you're when you are reaching out and asking for help. It, it's actually a, a strategy that my very first, my very second boss, also at Hasbro, Dan Sullivan, is such a lovely, lovely man. He worked at PNG, and so he had developed a lot of like very professional strategies. And I was bull in a china shop as a as my second year in marketing. And one of the things about marketing is you you have to ask everybody else for help. In many cases, you'll write the strategy, but you have to consult with all the and collaborate with all the other teams. And so I was the way I was approaching people. It wasn't harsh, but it could have been better. And so Dan said to me. A piece of advice I always share, which is, hey, when you're asking somebody to do something for you and you don't have direct kind of responsibility over them, just ask them, can you help me with something? Show that you are vulnerable, show that you really need their help. And imagine do asking anybody that. Are you going to turn somebody away? 
you're like, oh, oh, you you need my help for something? You need you need something from me? Oh, wow. Like, yeah, I'm here for you. And it's the same exact thing that I would have gone up and said, hey, I need you to do X, Y, and Z. But the approach is so different. And I think if women can also use some of these like slight tactics, it, it does help with the approach. It helps make you more endearing. It helps make you more vulnerable, and but in a good way, in a way that people are actually want to reach out and help you. And so that's something I still use it today. I still tell everybody if and one day when I write the book on my Yoda advice for young marketers or young people wanting to start off, this would be another one in there. Can you help me with something? Can you help me with this? It's a life-changing tactic, I'll tell you. Yeah, I think we're always, I am always trying to figure something out on my own, don't want to ask for help. And then when I chat with my team and I'll say to them, what do you need help with? What can I help you with? How can I make your life easier? They're always saying to me like, nope, no, don't need your help. Everything's okay. And I'm like, but I want to help you. <laughs> and so th- you have to understand that mindset too. Like, okay, if I'm saying that I don't need help, I know I definitely do, but of course I'm going to try to figure it out on my own. And then realizing that your manager wants to help you, your mentor wants to help you, your teammates want to help you. And I think that can also help to empower you and empower others within your organization as well, specifically women and asking them for their advice instead of maybe going to a male colleague or a male boss or something like that. So one thing I did want to ask you a little bit about, so you're working at Riot Games right now. And I know one of the things we had talked about was some diversity and inclusion issues that kind of came to light in 2018. So would love to hear more a little about your perspective working for a company where those issues were kind of brought to light. From my perspective, I don't think that it's, I think there's plenty of companies that fall victim to this. It just so happened that this was publicized. So would love to understand your perspective on that. Yeah, for sure. I think, and you said it best, the issues that came out at Riot, actually before I joined, then they came out right when I was in the interview process, which was a fascinating time to get that, the the Kotaku article that, that came out. Most companies that I worked for experienced many of the issues that were raised. And Twitch went through its round, Ubisoft as well. And it just, what really brought to light, and I think in an amazing way that Riot dealt with it, is saying, hey, you know what? We're going to take accountability for this. It shouldn't be happening anymore. And we are going to fix it. And, and my friend at the time, Mags, was in the DNI group. And I'm like, I called her when I was going to join the company. And I'm like, oh my God, what's going on at this place? Should I even be joining? And through the conversation, you know, and she was so open about how the company was being so open and accountable to this. And I said, you know what? I want to join this company because Riot is going to be at the forefront of changing the way that we do this in gaming. And all of us, there was a lot of training that went on. Riot was basically and basically still is a startup that is growing up for our eyes. And EA and others have been around much, much longer. You know, the t- Riot's only like a little over a decade old, e- EA's 30 plus years. And so the growing pains that Riot has, every single other gaming company has had it. It's just happening it in the public eye. So what I love is being at a company that really takes this stuff seriously. We have training to make sure that everyone is dealing with it. We celebrate the Women's and Gaming Initiative at Riot is so powerful right now. We have basically every month there is a a new category for the group of us who are in women in gaming. And so it's not just the one month. And I listen, I think one month a year is great for any of the topics, but there's a topic every month the entire year. And I, and I love how seriously the company has taken it. And I think other companies should also take it as seriously for all of the minority groups. Like, listen, I think everyone needs to appreciate the fact that Frances Fry is, is a woman who was consulting with Riot, when we were going through this transition, she consulted with Uber during their challenges. And she does an amazing, amazing series of lectures. And one of which, the thing that I'll take away is that it's kind of like the gestalt, the, the sum is greater than the whole of the parts. Without a diverse workforce, without different perspectives, you are not going to succeed in today's innovative and changing environment, like period, end of statement. And so, 
hey, everybody, <laughs> women or anyone else are needed in order to make your company the best possible. So a uh, very long answer to hopefully <laughs> a question that was about what's going on at Riot and how are you guys doing it better? And I, I think like every company is going to have its challenges and setbacks. What's most important is that the, the cultural mindset and the value system of the company is significantly different. In fact, 180 from where it used to be a few years ago, so much so that many of those challenges and issues and people feel comfortable now, like I said, but the tactic I said about having each other's back in meetings, like that happens. And it's because of these types of trainings and situations and mindset change that I hope other companies pick up on. I really do. Yeah. And it's great that that happened organically from the trainings. And I think, like I said, this, yeah, everything was publicized with Riot Games, but we know that this exists everywhere. And I love the fact that you guys over there, you're highlighting women's accomplishments day in and day out. I think about that a lot. Like, are we doing ourselves a disservice by having a month dedicated to women, uh, a day dedicated to women? Shouldn't we always be celebrating women, always be celebrating each other? I don't know what the answer is. I guess I don't know if I should be saying that, but (laughs) you wonder, right? Like, we should be highlighting the work that minorities are doing or underrepresented groups, but should we necessarily have to dedicate specific time for that when we should be doing it all the time? Yeah, it's hard because there are so many underrepresented groups. So at Riot, we created something called, we call them RIGs, which is Riot interest groups. And we have a number of interest groups across the different underrepresented segments. So one is called, in fact, Rainbow Rioters, and it's for the LGBTQ community. One is Riot Noir for our African-American community. Yeah. Just all of the names are so great. And so there's a number of these interest groups and they do things for an ongo- on an ongoing basis. But every month at Riot is a full-on celebration for whatever the month is. So last year for Latin Heritage Month, Danny Trejo did a presentation to all of Riot and just talked about what it's like to be an underrepresented entrepreneur in different industries. And it was just, for, it's machete, right? So it's fascinating. So every month, we Riot like does not skimp on this. Like it is an all out, like full month. Every week there's a different activity. And I love the fact that it isn't a day, like you said, but it is a chance for each of these under, underrepresented groups to get their their time in the sun and in, in the light, so to speak. And I personally have learned just a, a huge amount of different groups, even though I'm in a couple of different groups. Like they need one for like the old people now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but it's interesting being an aging, aging sounds weird, but somebody who has, is now on, I always consider myself like Peter Pan, the young pup. And there is something interesting about as we, I watch the TikToks on Gen Z versus the millennials and I'm like, oh, I'm Gen yeah. X. <laughs> I'm in the generation that no one even remembers to make fun of. So, which is great in a way. I'm watching those. I'm like, oh, wow, I am old because I'm a millennial. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know that skinny jeans weren't cool anymore. Learned that. (laughs) Yes. And you have to part your hair in the middle. Hold on. Let me in the middle. Yes. Let me fix my hair (laughs) because, well, maybe if I do that, then they're going to make fun of me. Like, oh, the Gen Xer is going to try to. Yeah, she's trying too hard. Yeah. I actually have been parting my hair in the middle since college and a lot of my friends did make fun of me for it. So I was ahead of the time. I just don't like the way my hair looks parted on the side. So <laughs> doesn't work for me. Well, let's just stop talking about focusing so much attention on how people look and what their hair looks. I mean, that's the other thing that's so difficult about being a woman is, so this is another funny thing about working in a male-dominated space is I'll get my hair cut or colored or anything and I will go weeks and no one will say anything. And the first time you have a meeting with a woman, they're like, oh, I love your hair. <laughs> you did something different. And it just goes to show you, you know, women put so much pressure on themselves. How do I look? And I'm not, you know, especially in the world of Zoom and do I need to do makeup and all these different things. And what's super interesting is, especially in the video game industry, where for us, when, we're, when we are in the office, people are coming in shorts and flip-flops and just don't care. And the challenge that I have sometimes is I also wish, like I lived in sweatpants for the last year and I would love to go to work like that. But while 
most men don't notice, you do feel how you dress. So I do encourage people like if you do dress up in a sense that that you feel more confident, then you will act and behave more confident. And so like I can't believe I'm the last person to say you should dress up, but I'm wearing a button-down shirt. I don't do that on the weekend, but I wanted to make sure that I felt like dressing up gives me a sense of confidence. So I think there's a number of TED Talks on like that type of topic where the Wonder Woman pose that was a TED Talk where if you put your hands on your hips and stand like Wonder Woman for 10 seconds, it generates some hormones in your system that help you feel more confident like right before you go on and do a presentation. I did not do that before this podcast. Perhaps I should have. Let me do it now. I didn't either. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's a good tip. Good tip. But yeah, I mean, it's right. Like we we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, especially the way we look. I agree because I work with primarily more male colleagues. And it's funny, actually, the other day I noticed that two of them had haircuts and it was like the first thing that I said to them. <laughs> Because I would want someone to notice if I did. I, I know we notice these things. And and as women, we have to make sure that we're not overly commenting on the surface level. And we do make sure we are getting a little bit of a level deeper, especially since this year has been so insanely challenging, especially for women. I have a number of colleagues. This colleague of mine, Lindsay, comes to mind. She has a toddler. She's in charge of a like a massive team of talented video, different video disciplines. And I don't know how she's doing it all. Every time I have a check-in with her, I I just, I'm like, how are you? And can I help you with anything? Because she's juggling a toddler and all of the other responsibilities of an org change and everything else. And I think one thing that we should do is pay particular attention to those of our colleagues that have children, especially during work from home, especially if they're toddlers. (laughs) I have stepkids and they don't live with me, but when they were here on and off over the course of the pandemic, it is insanely more difficult to manage life when you have to take care of kids who are staring at a Zoom screen and having log on issues and need breakfast and lunch. So if you haven't already said and asked a, a coworker how they're doing, if they have a situation like that, please do. And don't forget about those coworkers. Yeah, absolutely. I think you kind of just assume that life goes on and everyone transitions and pivots like we have this entire year. But it is super challenging and having younger kids. And as a woman, you're probably more responsible for that role traditionally, although that has kind of changed over time. But it's something that you don't realize. It's something that I don't realize. I don't have kids. I'm single. I live by myself. All I have to worry about is me. and. I can't complain about the situation because I'm not dealing with five other people that I have to worry about. All I have to worry about is me. So it's interesting to have that perspective and kind of understand, okay, this person can't get to this right now. I know because they're probably trying to feed their kids or get their kids to bed, get their kids up in the morning. Yeah. Well, I want to mention two things. One is do not sell yourself short. You are alone and you've been alone for a year. And th- that breeds with it. I actually a whole did move other... back home with my parents. So I wasn't completely alone, but. <laughs> well, but, and, and sorry, and I don't mean this, it to sound in any way demeaning, but it, like the challenge, we know that isolation and, and solitary confinement is, you know, happens in a number of the pr- prison systems is insanely detrimental on mental health. So do you know that? No one should get, in a sense, special treatment. Everyone has their own challenges that have to be dealt with in a different way. And that, and you're in a, a completely different challenge that you've got going on there. So don't like take it on yourself. In fact, you need more, you know, happy hour Zooms or, you know, one of the things that we did on the team was during this time, and maybe this goes to like how you balance out your mental health and how do you like, figure all of this stuff out is we agreed on team hours. And so we said, okay, from 1030 to five, those are hours that people are expected to be available and on. And then, then we set up within those hours, okay, we called them focus hours. 
So between, I'll make it up, three and five, no meetings. You cannot schedule meetings in this time. It is for people to like heads down and do their work. So you can't really, you shouldn't slack them. You shouldn't do these different things. And so a number of these different like scheduling strategies were really helpful for the team to have their focus time, to not feel like they're staring at a Zoom screen, uh, a camera for eight hours in a row, and to have kind of a break to do different things. So so that was something else that we did. And for a number of the parents, some of them had to say, hey, from 12 to 2, I'm, I got to do lunch and nursery pickup or whatever it is. And we everyone works around it. And I think it's about you know, goes up back to the earlier conversation of like, hey, raise your hand and be like, what do you need? What do you need to be your best person at work? Because it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. We've been doing this for a year. For us, it's probably another, we're supposed to go back in July. So it's another like, I don't know, three, four months of doing this type of stuff. So you got to figure it out and be flexible. Yeah. I mean, with that, like, how would you how do you kind of navigate your work-life balance? You mentioned that you had your stepkids here during COVID, but especially during today. And even when we do come out of this and knowing that women are the caregivers in the family, what is your recommendation or your advice on how to navigate it in today's world and beyond? Yeah, it, it goes back to what I just said, is recognizing that your career is a marathon, it's not a sprint. And if you're behaving and running around every day trying to catch up, you're going to be on the hamster wheel that's going to get you to nowhere except for a ball of stress. There's a couple ways that that I approached it, especially from work from home, is I looked at, started to look at the positives and and some people call it like a gratitude journal or um, just kind of like, what is, what is going well for you? And when everything was at its scariest, it was like, okay, I still have my job. I still have my family is safe. I have my lovely house and my cats that I, you know, love dearly. And you're just like, okay, before you go to bed, like think about the things that are really, you know, going well for you. It does help you get a little bit better sleep instead of like, oh, here's all the things that I have to do today. I I write down my list of things to do before way before I even get ready for bed so that I'm not thinking about like all of those things. I'm thinking about the good things. It's crazy, but your like exercise and eating, uh, I started doing intermittent fasting. I never thought I that was going to be something I would say is like helpful. It's great. So I, my, my wife gives me so much crap because she just thought it was crazy. And I'm like, I, I feel so much better. I have more energy. I used to, it's really funny. I used to have like, I, I would buy a case of five hour energy and I would have one, I'd have massive caffeine in the morning and massive caffeine in the middle of the day. And I was still tired. And I was like, oh, and I'm like, okay, something's not working for me. And so I found a book, it's called Fastest Way. And it's kind of about different types of intermittent. So in, intermittent fasting is basically like skip breakfast. It's, it's one of the, like the basic premise to it. And you have, I do a little like keto type thing here and there, which is fat, having more fat than protein and sugar. Yeah, it's, it's like a way to kind of give you that energy and that brain boost so that you can maintain some focus throughout the day. So for me, it was like, okay, let me get, if I'm home and I'm stuck here and I can actually do a little workout, I have a little, like, do some videos, you can get Daily Burn or any of these, like, video programs. Many of them were free for most of the pandemic. And I just do something like that. And we do walks around the neighborhood and do the eating thing. And then from a relationship standpoint, it's making sure that you don't lose touch with your family and friends who you don't get to see. So my mom finally figured out how to do Zoom, which was entertaining. And like every time I I talk to her, I see half her face because she doesn't know where to look in the camera. But I'm just like, okay, I golf clap the fact that she's even able to like get that far. So so things like that. And and for your overall career, you got to realize like it all takes time and nobody is going to manage your career better than you. Your boss isn't going to do it. Your company's not going to do it. Sadly, one of the things I realized was even at these big companies, like you are a number to them. You are a cog in the wheel. You don't matter. And I'm sorry. Like I, I know everyone's, oh, well, my boss was great. Well, maybe your boss was as a person. The company doesn't really actually care and they don't have to. So if you want to improve and you want to get better, 
you have to go find out how to do that. And that's very anti-millennial, I know, and it gets me in trouble with a lot of millennials who sometimes think they're a little bit entitled. And that goes into another piece of advice is please don't act entitled. Like, I can't tell you the stuff I had to do. When I was got my very first job making Star Wars toys, I was getting lunch for people and I was decorating our conference rooms and decking them out with all of our toys. And like the things that I learned how to do were never in any job description. But I did it. And my four Ps, are you ready? You ready for the four Ps? I have the fourth one now. First time yeah, we talked, I remember I'm like, it, was just, oh. it was just three. <laughs> I, I, have, I have the fourth one. All right. So, you know, when I was thinking about looking back on, on my career and like and, and how I actually hire for for young people and in junior roles, and it doesn't matter if man or woman or, or anything in between, it doesn't really matter. The four Ps are the first one is passion. And hopefully through this podcast and me talking about what I'm interested in and the fact that I love playing wizardry on the Apple II Plus when I was eight years old, got me into the video game industry now. I'm passionate as hell about all of those type of things. And if you want to have a, a conversation about the deep diving into Star Wars, I'm also incredibly passionate about those things. Showcasing your passion as you're being interviewed can sometimes give you a leg up over your lack of experience. Because when you're junior, you have no experience. I mean, it's the endless circle of like, how do I get experience? experience? Yeah. <laughs> well, you have to give me some work. So number one is passion. Number two is is proactivity and the ability to, and when I was an intern, I was like, okay, this conference room looks like crap. It is embarrassing. We have all of our big minions in here. So I took it upon myself to redecorate the conference room with all of our, like we're a toy company. Let's display our toys. I built shelves. I put our, everyone's like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Leave it to a woman also to organize the room. (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. But the other proactive thing I did was, so again, dating myself, it was 1997. I was like, we need a website. We need to start a website for our action figures. And I did, I created the, the Star Wars toys website. I ran the website. I answered all of the email. I basically was a community manager before there was community management as we'd think about it now in 1997. And so I was like, for a hot minute, I was Janet Star Wars or Janet Hasbro. I was I was like famous with all these Star Wars collectors who I would go to conventions and, and talk to like a thousand people on behalf of our team. And I'm like 23 years old or something. It's really funny. But I did all of that because I was proactive. No one told me to do that. No one's like, hey, what's our strategy for dealing with our community? I just did it. And so proactivity is, is number two. Perseverance is number three. And it goes to like the marathon and not a sprint. And But you got to keep at it, right? You have to figure out how you can have that work ethic. And I think one of the things that I try to preach a lot about is work work ethic these days. When sometimes when kids, and, and mine included, are getting like participation trophies, I'm like, no, 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 no. In the real world, there are winners and losers. And I hate to say it. I, I don't want to like burst your bubble. But in, unless you work at it and you keep working at it and you keep improving, you you don't get a participation trophy to get a job. Like that, that that's not how it actually works. All right, ready for the fourth one? All right, I thought about it. Yes, I'm I'm very excited to hear this. <laughs> it's not a perfect word, but I'll say parody. And so comedy. So the idea of being funny and bringing humor to the workplace. I wish I could remember the name of the, these two women just wrote a book. They were just on like a Profty podcast and they talked about and did research on humor in the workplace and how, especially as women, and and by the way, this was a book by two women. And what they found was that humor in the workplace is a tremendous tool for helping you be successful. It helps you build relationships. It helps you build rapport. It helps people not take you too seriously. And it's something that I'm a smart ass. I just am. I don't, it's part of my, again, my dad's New York roots of just being a smart ass. And so those are the four P's to be, if you're just starting out and you want to figure out how to be successful, if you think about those, especially before you get your job and what you get your gut job, it's how you can actually keep progressing. When I was at Hasbro and when I was hired as an intern, they're like, hey, we just want you to know we don't hire our interns. We bring you in, you do some stuff. 
yeah, you go off to a different company, you get more experience. And if you want to come back, maybe. And I said, this goes to perseverance. I'm like, I'm going to be the first intern that you guys hire. And they're like, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, good luck with that. I love that. And, and and so what I did was I started the website. I did that community management stuff. And by the end of my time and in my internship, they're like, shit, we, we can't fire her. We have to hire her. And I was like, see, see, I told you. I, I, told, I told you. And I found a way to make myself indispensable. And that's not a P, but that would be another piece of advice is for doing the podcast or figuring out like a different tack that you can like, oh my God, she's actually growing our relationship with different people around the the industry because of you know the work that you do. And maybe your one month stint will will continue to grow because of what you're done, what you're doing. Here. I know. That's that's what I told Tommy. He's our usual host. And I said, it might not just be for this month. Watch out. No, watch out. Viewership uh, might... is gonna be skyrocketing. I can just tell. It might be a duo, but yeah, I mean, th- th- those are just some things to really to think about. And I-, I think they can go to any, they can go to the topic that we're on today about women in gaming. They can go to help junior people really progress. Or just if you're even in the middle of your career and you're like kind of stuck and you're like, oh, geez, what do I do? Those things can really help because they help you get you noticed. I hired recently this guy on my team, Roger. We were looking for someone to do some of our comms work. And again, it's a junior role. And he just came on and was like the energizer buddy of passion and had a solid resume. But again, like it's not going to be perfect. It wasn't a perfect fit for us. But his exuding passion for League of Legends and for the game and and just for everything between, I was like, this guy is going to come in and he's going to live the four Ps because passion will drive him through all the four Ps because he is so excited. And because he is me, he, I see in myself him. Like he's going to look at me in a couple of weeks and be like, no, 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 you're going to hire me full time. I know I'm a contractor, but you're going to hire me full time. I just know it because he's that type of person. And as a manager of a workforce of people, you see that and, and you're like, I, I can't pay you to be more excited. Like this is fantastic. You're going to do great. Yeah. I mean, it's something that you can't coach. You can't coach passion. My dad always used to say in sports, you can't coach speed. And I think that goes the same. It was true for me. That's why I was a goalie. I have a goalie because I'm not fast, but we didn't even talk as much about sports. But I think if you have any sports background, whether it's team sports is the best or individual sports, team sports, again, when I look to work with people or hire people and people are like, oh, I played basketball or volleyball or soccer, whatever team sport, I immediately know that you're going to know how to come to work, work as a team. You're going to ask for what the goal is. You're going to ask how we work together. You're immediately going to fit into the environment that we all live in today, which is working. Work is a team. You base and we call them teams, right? Like many of your teams, we call them teams. (laughs) And so, if you've already got that experience, I mean, add that just another tick box to someone who's going to come in, just as well as military experience. My wife is a is an Air Force veteran, and anytime I need something like organized and done, and like we go on missions, like it's just like it's just like dialed in. Those the people with those skill sets and those backgrounds automatically know what they're going to add to your workforce and to your team and to your life. And I encourage you to find people with those backgrounds. And when you see that, you're like, okay, like we're going to be in this together. We're going to go to war together to use the military analogy. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you know that they're going to have your back, that they're going to be passionate about what they do. They have shown that by working on a team prior. So yeah, I think that that's huge as well. Because at the end, we're all working together, whether we're individuals, man, woman, we're all in this together and we get through it by working as a team. I like that. Well, Jen, thank you so much for taking the time to chat today. Again, for our listeners, our guest today was Jen Donahoe from Riot Games. Jen, it has been a pleasure and I hope we can chat again soon. Anytime. I love the opportunity to talk about this stuff and thank you so much. I had a great time. Thanks for taking a break with us and listening to our weekly episode of Activate by Remerge. If you enjoyed what you heard, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends about the podcast. The more people you tell, the further we can spread these awesome mobile marketing insights. See you next week.